Financially free with Cleo. Hey, this is Cleo with CleoYogaFinance.com and welcome back for another episode of Financially Free with Cleo, a show where we shift mindsets with real and raw money conversations with everyday people, empowering you to take action, appreciate the journey, and live the lifestyle you desire financially, mentally, and physically. Today, we have another very special guest, Taryn Bushrod. She is a Baltimore native, a financial therapist, and she helps professional athletes improve their relationship with money. With a background in consumer marketing and financial management, along with her life experiences, she's able to help athletes identify the triggers of their spending habits so they can take control of their finances and create a lifestyle that doesn't break the bank. And she's also a proud member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority. And welcome to the show, Taryn. I'm so happy that you are here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Yes. This is going to be a great conversation because we're going to be talking about athletes and money and how to help them elevate their financial lifestyles. But of course, first, we're going to learn more about you and your experiences with money. So let's go ahead and get started. So just share with us, uh, of course, going back to the early days in your childhood and just sharing us, you know, how was your childhood like? How did you grow up and when you first learned about money? Okay, so my childhood is... Hmm. I kind of feel like it's very normal, but unusual at the same time. Growing up, I spent a lot of time with my grandfather. Um, I lived with him probably until I was in third grade, second grade, second or third grade with my mom. But still, like my grandfather braided my hair. Mm. I mean, he he was really into parenting. I got the (laughs) I got the good part. Yeah. Yeah. Growing up with him was amazing. He is the first person that taught me about money. I learned how to count at a very early age, probably if I'm, my mind serves me correctly, maybe four, Mm. three or four. Um, So he, he, he was amazing. Yeah. And he, he since passed, but he, he was amazing. Like that stuff I will never forget. Um, he would always tell me, you know, put five cent out of every dollar. And until I got to a certain age, he would give me money in coins, like in change <laughs> to make sure that I took the five cent and put it in my piggy bank. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much my foundation, learning about saving, learning about being um, financially savvy from him as like, that's, that's my rock. Uh, and then as I got older, my dad came in with the, it was time for me to buy my first car. And he's like, well, what kind of car are you looking at? My, my father is very um, matter of fact. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would say pretentious, but I'm just going to go with matter of fact. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're going through the analysis. He's like, let me, let me explain something to you. The total cost of your car, not the purchase price. The mm-hmm. total monthly expense of your car should not exceed 30% of your monthly income. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. 
it wasn't a big deal for me at the time. And then I started to learn more and more how learning that early, even if I didn't fully execute. Mm -hmm. um, But learning those things early, I see the big difference between people who have eight to $1,200 and plus car notes Mm -hmm. that are probably the same as a good mortgage. Yeah. And the income don't add up. So I, yeah, I'm grateful for that. Yes. Oh, that is so cool. First of all, to have your grandfather there braiding your hair, it's experiences like that. Um, I know I, before, when I was younger, my, my grandfather on both sides of my parents, you know, passed away before I was born. But I think that is so cool to be able to have not just, you know, a mother figure there, but not just a father figure there, but a grandfather as well that's pouring into you, helping do your hair and teaching you about money. And I like that you shared the five cents because it's a reminder that it may sound small, but it's it's not just about the amount, but he's helping you build some good habits early on as a kid. So that's what I love to hear. And it definitely helped even as I was growing because I have very fashion forward women in my family. So my grandmother was a diva. I called her Jezebel, <laughs> but not in the negative connotation. Like mm-hmm. my grandmother is the woman that would wear her fur to the convenience store. <laughs> Grandma, where are you going? So to know that I had those principles, but then to see that lifestyle and then later realize, okay, you had to delay your retirement a few years because you needed to pay off these credit cards and you had endless credit cards. So I'm mm. like, oh yeah, no, I'm good on that. I have yeah. credit card debt, uh, full disclosure and transparency. I do have credit card debt, but mm-hmm. I didn't amass it for, for shopping. Yeah. And that's just that reminder that, hey, we can look fly and look great, but we could be delaying certain financial goals or financial experiences because we may still be paying on uh, things that we spent those credit cards on. I too had credit card debt as well. And it's it's like you do start to see the people in your family. That's kind of who you learn from first, how they spend their money. But I love how you said that she was always fly. If I was at the grocery store <laughs> and saw a lady with her for uh, that would definitely be eye catching. She would definitely be caught, uh, catching a lot of attention. <laughs> yes. The heads will be turning. Yes. Um, but I think that's so cool because I'm sure you probably got some fashion tips or some style tips from her. Cause you know, us women, we do like to look good too. So that's great to have some people in your life that can help show you how to look fly. I'm not sure if she showed you how to look fly on a budget, but <laughs> still. At- the time had passed by then because grandma went from <laughs> shopping at Neiman Marcus when she was working to probably the last three or four years before she passed, she was oh. in that she was into Ross and TJ Maxx and it was the best. Oh my gosh. I didn't know I could get this kind of stuff out of there. And I was like, all right, grandma. Wow. For years, but. Yeah, she didn't Welcome. want to hear it, huh? Welcome well, to them. <laughs> well, we saw she got to experience it, you know, before, you know, she passed. Uh, but that's something that we do learn eventually. We start to see, hey, I can still look cute. I can still look fly. 
and spend a little less. You know, I don't always have to get the expensive things. So that's super cool uh, that you had that experience with your grandparents. And uh, it's like, I think all kids want to have grandparents in their lives that can make them laugh and teach them things. You know, sometimes the grandparents aren't as strict as the parents <laughs> sometimes, but it's cool to be able to just grow up and have these good memories of our grandparents. All right. Yeah. So let me know of some of your money experiences. So this could be from uh, any point in your life. So share with us one that is a positive money experience and one that may seem negative or some people may perceive as negative. Oh my gosh. I'm going to tell you something. You asking me that question just the way that you did it triggered something for me. And I'm, mm. I'm going to tell you, these will be too good. I got a bad tooth, obviously, but these will be too good. Yes. So I ended up losing my job the year I was turning 25. And for my mm. 25th birthday, me and my college roommate, we had booked the seven-day cruise on Royal Caribbean to South America. And it was going to be great. And I lost my job. And... I was just like, okay, but I'm still taking this cruise. I'm still going on this vacation. It's going to be what it's going to be. I don't know how it's going to work. I was like, the cruise is almost paid off anyway. So really, technically, I only need a flight and a little (laughs) bit of spending money because, you know, cruises are all inclusive. Mm -hmm. Took that vacation, came back from that vacation to a job interview uh, my birthday's in November, the end of November. And I started working in January. Mm. Now, fast forward to uh, 2019. My contract ended for work in December. It had been extended mm. a few times and we knew that was going to be the end. Once okay. we got the final date, I was already going to Africa for two weeks. I was like, oh, Okay, so now I can go to Africa early, extend my trip. I can leave the same day as the last day of my job. And I can stay a little longer because <laughs> I don't have a job. And it's not its not really the season. December and January, you don't really start finding a job for my industry, my full-time industry, until February. Mm-hmm. So I was communicating with my friends who were putting referrals in for me. And I was like, y'all got anything for me yet? And they're yeah. like, no. So I leave. I'm in Egypt. I'm not, I'm not saying any of this to brag or boast. Let's put that out there right now. Yeah. But I leave Egypt. I'm in there. And the Ravens have beat the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Now, if anybody follows football, especially the AFC, they know that typically the Patriots or the Steelers are the last stop to go into the Super Bowl. And I was like, we is going to the Super Bowl. I've never been to the Super Bowl. I don't have a job. I don't have any reason not to go. (laughs) So let me just reach out. And then, you know, I already started increasing my network for women in Mm -hmm. sports. So I reached out to my organization and they're like, yeah, Uh sure. These are some events. So I booked the flight to go to the Super Bowl while I was, it was just amazing. So you asking the way that you ask, I'm like, these are two identical experiences. I lost my job. I still mm-hmm. traveled. I came back to a job. Yeah. 2019 contract ended. Um, I traveled. 
And while I was in uh, Miami for the Super Bowl, I mm-hmm. negotiated my contract to the job that I came back to. Wow. So that's two unique but identical experiences, like 10 years apart, roughly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give or take. So yeah. I would say that's definitely good um, mm-hmm. because even financially for obviously the cruise was a lot different financially than we are in now. So I was prepared. It wasn't a matter of, oh, I got to get back. I got to find a job. I got to take anything. It was like, all right, I can go until at least June before I start panicking. Yeah. So I'm happy <laughs> about that. That's a, yeah. a yay me moment. Uh, yes. My bad thing would be um, I ran into some health challenges in 2014, mm-hmm. and that turned into a mountain of credit card debt, mm-hmm. a mountain between medical bills, um, travel therapy, because mm-hmm. traveling is a part of my therapy. My doctor and I, you know, we had a really good understanding of where I am. And it was one of those things where, you know, how you're making conscious, unconscious decisions. Mm -hmm. I knew exactly what was at risk. It's like, okay, you're amassing more credit card debt. I ended up having to take um, FMLA. So I was out of work a lot. So Mm -hmm. that even prolonged me being eligible for my increase, my raise, because I hadn't had the um, the days of service. Mm. This was a federal government job, so I hadn't met the days of service. Yeah. So that credit card that that I say I have now, that's a yeah. Part of it. That is a yeah. Part of it. That's that's like my not so good moment, but it was. I always look at the brighter side, and I always look for <sighs> the lesson. And yeah. I'm grateful for it because now I know that that is a pitfall that I can absolutely avoid. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you so much for sharing that because, and the reason why I do ask people that is because it's good for us to focus on the good things that we experience financially because we got to celebrate our wins, right? Whether it's some big or small, but also, you know, I don't truly believe in, um, losses or failures because I feel like even if something didn't happen the way we anticipated or the way we liked it to be we can still learn some from it so just like you said focusing on the positive things like okay it may not have happened the way I wanted to but okay what is something that I could be grateful for what is something that can be looked at as a blessing that I didn't really acknowledge was a blessing at first and just like you it's like you didn't quit or give up. We may have moments where we may feel a little stressed or worried for a moment, but things do change and work out the way they're supposed to. And I really like the fact that you said travel therapy. Mm-hmm. I like to travel for one. And I think some, for well, maybe some people who aren't really um, into really traveling a lot may not understand, but it is true. Like you do it is therapeutic to travel and explore and go to new places, or even if it's a place you've been to before, just getting away from, you know, home where you're at most of the time, it is therapeutic. And I actually never heard anyone say travel therapy together. (laughs) 
So yeah. I think more people should um, be aware of that. And that, and just because it's traveling doesn't mean that you're always spending a whole lot of money to travel either. Nope. There's ways you can travel and it's extremely affordable. Um, but I like that you do see the, the positive in your experiences and not just, um, you know, focusing on, oh, it was a bad or negative experience. Like, no, there are some things I learned from this is gonna help me later. And when you mentioned the credit card uh, debt from the, the health scare, um, I think sometimes when we do get into debt, sometimes it's from situations like that, some that happened that was unexpected and you know you may have had to borrow to cover that expense at the time. But as long as we know that we're gonna set up a plan to get it taken care of eventually, you know that's all that matters. But sometimes it's not just because we went and bought everything at the mall or at the store shopping online. Sometimes we just had a situation that we had to take care of. So uh, thank you so much for sharing those two because those are really good experiences. And I'm going to add travel therapy. I like the travel, but I'm going to add those two words together because I have never heard anyone say those together. <laughs> yeah. And I will add that because again, I'm always looking for the positive. Yeah. The good thing is I was in a position financially where I qualified for a credit card for the amount that <laughs> I did. Now, granted, had the bank not given me that amount, my <laughs> debt may be less. However, yeah, yeah I will say that because not everybody <laughs> has that opportunity. That is true. I, I remember times when I desperately wanted or needed a credit card and that feeling when you do not get approved it's like well, what am I gonna do <laughs> and not just with credit cards but with any um time that you're trying to borrow something you do it does feel overwhelming but yes it is grateful to think of it that way that hey when I needed it at least I was in a position financial position to be approved for uh, the credit card that helped me at that time yep Yes, I always look at the positive. All right, so next I want you to share with me about your uh, work that you're doing now. So you're a financial therapist. So I wanna know why did you decide to become a financial therapist and what experience led you to decide to specialize in helping pro athletes with their money? Okay, I'm a very transparent person. Um, so the truth of the matter is, before I chose to become a financial therapist and move from a place of financial psychology, I was operating as a money coach. And I had, you know, three core, core principles, milestones, but the very first one was understanding your relationship with money, right? Mm -hmm. Establishing a money management plan that's realistic for you figuring out what tracking methods work best for you because if you throw a spreadsheet at the wrong person, they're not doing it. And it's just not gonna help them reach their goals. And you also had to have a reasonable goal. It couldn't just be, you know, I wanna buy a house because that's yeah. not a change in behavior. That's, mm. uh, I wanna make certain changes now so that I can qualify for something. Not mm. that I want to make a life change. Yeah. And then lastly, adding in a debt repayment strategy. But what I realized mm. is working with people, 
And I screen people properly because I was like, this is energy in my time as well. It's not necessarily about the money for me. It is mm-hmm. truly trying to help people reposition themselves. Yeah. And people don't follow through. They mm-hmm. don't do the work. So then I started saying like, okay, we're not doing this full on coaching. I will do a money strategy session with you and let that be that. But with doing just the money strategy session, you're missing the key point of mm-hmm. The psychology and with absent of the two, like you can't have one without the other. Right. Yeah. And any I won't say anybody, but there are people who are qualified to help you with managing your money, especially once you reach a point of financial resources, you can pay for that. What you Mm -hmm. can't necessarily get without paying for is the financial psychology really unlocking those barriers, what your childhood Mm. experiences were that add or Mm. add to the way that you spend now. So as I mentioned, grandfather, father, they were strong, financially savvy, you know, a lot of sound principles there. Yeah. But then I have my grandma, Jezebel, (laughs) my aunts, big spenders, fashion forward, uh, personal shopper, those type of things. So mm-hmm. when I look at the two, I was able to choose a path that worked best for me. And as I continue to, you know, see other people's journey, I was like, okay, this is, this is a whole lane. So that's why yeah. I decided I can't necessarily control the action that's taken But when you sit down, when you're dedicated to doing the deep rooted work of the financial psychology aspect, that's when you can make that behavior change and really impact your finances moving forward. Now, Mm -hmm. in terms of pro athletes, I had a really hard time with athletes going broke. I wrote a whole treatment on it probably about four or five years ago but I never followed through on it. And then Mm -hmm. the ESPN special 30 for 30 broke came out and I was like, okay, my friend who was helping me write the treatment, he was like, I told you, you should have kept going. Like, It's just confirmation that I was on the right path, but you know, life gets in the way of certain things. And it was just a prolonged journey to me getting back to it. But growing up, loving sports, um, being active in sports, um, I got a start in sports, a head start, I should say, um, as a basketball manager in middle school, and then Mm. fast forward to a football manager and a basketball manager at high school. I think I told you before, me climbing on a scaffold, like my role as a football manager was to take film. And this was in the early 2000s. So it wasn't the nice gimbal, you know, lightweight. (laughs) No, we're talking about the throw the joint on your shoulder. Like, Like, yeah. (laughs) And then that kind of like carried on into into college. Um, I worked Mm -hmm. in athletics. I did athletic marketing for my undergrad, my lovely HBCU, Morgan State University. Mm-hmm. I would be remiss if I didn't shout them out. So yes, I love it. <laughs> seeing, seeing, but really seeing how um, youth athletics, uh, how talented people are preyed on from mm-hmm. P 
people making promises, sometimes empty, sometimes they can be fulfilled, but not necessarily understanding the ramifications that come with it. So I started to see, again, patterns, like life is about patterns. And working with pro athletes, making sure that they are setting themselves up for success early as a rookie, as a sophomore. I mean, veterans, sometimes it's, I'm about to retire, so I got to get my ish together. But (laughs) I'm all about um, decreasing learning curves. So if you can avoid something or if you can experience something a little bit and see the negative impact on the onset versus later down the road, you have a stronger possibility for financial success. And Mm. then lastly, with working with athletes, I also know that they inspire so many other people, especially from impoverished neighborhoods. Like, you know, it's still, mm-hmm. we're still working against the, this is my way out. So yeah. if you see your idol being smart with their money, even if you never make it to a, a professional in your athletic abilities, but mm-hmm. when you see the example that they are setting, it changes everything. It makes a shift because now what you are looking towards as you are aspiring, it's different. You see the lifestyle, but you see the prolonged lifestyle for making good financial decisions. Yes. I love all of that. Like I really, because I like that you broke it down when you're talking about, okay, the behavior, like these money habits. Like it's like when you mentioned throwing a spreadsheet at the wrong person, that is true. They can look at that and just get overwhelmed and and check out and <laughs> not want to do anything. And then, you know, I've had people, not just clients with my own practice, but like just with people I talk with just every day, like people say, oh, I need a financial advisor and never talk to anybody about money behaviors, money advice you're trying to Uh, It's good that you may want to learn to invest and you think you need to hire this financial advisor, but you still have to find a way to dig deeper because if you don't, it's just going to, the cycle is just going to continue. So I think it's really important that people understand that there's a need for financial therapists and you need to actually see one just, just with regular, I want to say regular therapists. I know there's different types of therapists out there, but when people hear the word therapist or therapy, some people are just like hesitant for a lot of different reasons. But I think just in 2020, people are realizing that, hey, it's going to be beneficial for me to see a therapist. And if I want to get my money stuff together, I'm going to have to dig deeper than what I've been doing. And that's going to take me talking to a financial therapist, not just a financial advisor, but I need help digging deeper to figure out, just like you said, going back to the childhood, because we can be adults still struggling with things mentally and we're having these money experiences and we really haven't healed from things from our childhood or we may be aware of certain things but not connect it and think that it's really um having an effect on us in our adult life and i totally agree with the, like the certain communities and certain neighborhoods you know we're thinking that hey this is my child or my little cousin, or this is my little brother way out or my little sister, you know, we thinking, Hey, this is the the way out, but we want to make sure when you, if you do get out there and you become this uh, elite professional athlete, we want you to be able to have a healthy financial lifestyle too, because like you mentioned, there's people out there that can take advantage of you. And if you don't have people in your corner, that's helping you 
manage the money you have and even going into uh, taking multiple looks at these contracts that they're signing and all of that. So I think it's really important for more people to talk about it. And I do appreciate the work that you're doing because I have friends um, back home that have people in their lives who are either in high school and in college and even have family members or friends that are even in the uh, professional leagues. And it's like, some people are just surprised to say, how can you have these millions of dollars and you don't know how to manage your money? Well, just because you make that much doesn't just turn you into this professional money person. <laughs> you know, if you've been like mismanaging money for years, just because you get, you know, $20 million, it doesn't automatically make you good at managing that 20 million either. So I definitely am very, very excited to see more of the work that you're going to be doing because I feel that more people need to see it. And just like you said, these athletes have this influence. So we're watching them when they're playing their games. We're watching them on social media. If people are lucky to get in their environments, you know, they're still being watched. So we want to make sure we're, we're looking up to them and whatever they do, we, the people, most of us are going to follow. And you just want to make sure that you are in a good position where they're making the best decisions and, you helping professional athletes. I just love to hear that because I feel like they do have a lot of influence, but we want to make sure that they are uh, healthy financially as well. So they can live that lifestyle. Like you said, that they actually want to live without breaking the bank. <laughs> yep. And once you are able to connect those dots, I personally feel like you are more keen on what's happening with your money because mm. now it's you're, you're minimizing that person who, you know, they were able to sneak a million dollars away from you because, you know, you don't really pay attention. It's, oh, it's a million dollars. You won't really miss it. So you get to minimize those type of negative impact. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, most definitely. Cause people can slip it away and you not notice. And then next thing you know, it's either months or years later. And then you start to realize, hmm, something ain't right. <laughs> And by then it could, you know, might be a little too late after that. So being more aware of starting with those money habits and the, the psychology behind it, I think that's so important. Um, of course, with, you know, professional athletes, but just with us in general, it's like if we want to do better financially, we got uh, we got to take the time, the energy and the money to invest in ourselves so that we can elevate financially instead of you know, staying stuck where we are. So I love all of that. <laughs> so next I want to know from you, uh, financial, financially free. So of course, we all have different personalities, different needs and wants and different interests and financial freedom or being financially free could, you know, really mean different things to all of us, you know, not necessarily a right or wrong way because you know it's our life but I want to know to you what does financially free mean to you my financial freedom is very simple <laughs> I can do what I want when I want <laughs> whenever I want however I want but I can also help someone else however I want or however I can and 
putting all of that into place, that means my money is working for me. I'm not working for my money. I am on a good financial trajectory. Money is coming in from, I don't even want to get into the seven streams of income. I just need, you know, the dividends, the residuals, the, the rent payments. Like I've, I am, you know, a, I am literally a future millionaire. I already see it that it's coming. And right now I'm just positioning myself to make sure that that manifestation comes, you know, easily and abundantly. So one of my yeah. aspects is money flows to me easily and abundantly. So, yes, I love that one too. And I really like that you talked about, you know, whenever I want, how I want, because, you know, that's what it's about, right? We don't want to feel like we have to do this or that, you know, for money. We want to be able to set ourselves up where we're in the position to do whatever we want, the way we want, when we want. And that made me remember your live from the other day when you were talking about, uh, you mentioned like a retirement age, I guess it's the 65, 67. You guys got to go back and watch her live she did the other week because it was so funny. I watched the whole thing, but on that part, I had to pause it and play it again <laughs> because it was so funny. You mentioned, you know, retirement age and you mentioned, you said you too close to death to be working that long. <laughs> And it just made me remember, like, I don't want to be, you know, in my mid or late 60s working. Not that there's anything wrong with working. But when I say working, I mean, I don't want to feel like I have to work because I have to make some money to pay bills or, or anything like that. If I do do something, it's because because I want to. So that's how I, if I wake up and I want to do this, it's because it's something that I actually like to do. I enjoy it. It, it makes me feel happy, not because I feel like I have to work. And that's what, uh, when you were talking about do what I want, when I want, that made me think about what you said. Hey, you know, when I'm in my 60s, there's a lot of different things I want to be doing. But I, one thing I don't want to do is feel like I have to, to work. And you're right. <laughs> I know that's, that may sound, I don't, it, not trying to offend anybody, no. but <laughs> we're just saying like, hey, you don't want to be at that age range feeling like you have to work. Working if you would like to, cool, but I don't want to have to work. I want to be in a position where I can do, as Taryn said, what I want, when I want. I'm in the financial position to do that. And like for me, I'm 35 and there's been moments where I feel like, because um, I didn't start like investing until, you know, later on, like I didn't get um, the education to learn to start like in my teens or 20s at all. So sometimes I have my moments where I feel like, oh, I waited too late. I'm too old. Then I'll have people that's 40, 50, 60, like, girl, you is not old. You got all of this life to live. You are still young, which, yeah, I, I know I'm, I still have a long life to live. But I think, you know, there are people out there that, you know, that are older, you know, in their 50s or in their 60s that feels like it's too late. So I was like, if they feel like it's too late, I know I can't dwell on the age thing. I just have to start where I'm at with what I have and keep moving forward. And that's what I've been focusing on. So that's why I like to ask people, you know, what do you, how do you define financially free? Because I think we're all working on our own financially free journeys. Right. <laughs> and uh, in 2021, I hope to have some more travel therapy in my life. 
<laughs> because that is something that, you know, a lot of us didn't get to do last year. Um, but I think it's important for us to know exactly what we really want, because I feel like everything that we do every day, you know, is going to help push us closer to that financially free lifestyle we really want to live. And I think if we think about it more and talk about it more, I think it helps us stay more on track because if we're kind of torn on a certain decision, you know, we may ask ourselves, okay, is this pushing me closer to my financially free lifestyle that I'm trying to live? Or is it pushing me further away? You know, we have moments where we, things come up and life happens, or we may pause on something, or we feel like we may have fallen off track, but I think it does help knowing what we want to do or how we want to live our lives so that we can actually get clear and specific so we can make it a reality. Absolutely. One thing I will share that adds or that will help with that mindset shift is automation. So when mm. your bills, and even if, if you start out with a small amount, when your yeah. bills are automated, it's just making sure the dates add up. It's not a, <laughs> oh my gosh, I got to pay this at this time. And it's a completely different feeling. You feel more free. And even if your bills are small or, you know, even if you have to pick up a second job or some type of side hustle just to make it make it that seamless it mm -hmm. is completely different than sitting down you know every friday or every payday and physically you know going yeah. online putting your information in mailing the check for people who are still pro checks and it it's like it makes you feel more constrained when you yeah. have to do that versus you get a sigh of relief and, and freedom when it's just like, I don't know when it's due. I might actually, I actually know when it's due, but right. the mindset, I don't know when it's due, but I know the money is there to cover it. And, yeah. And it. I like that you share that because I have some of my bills that's on auto pay and some that aren't, but you just gave me, you know, the excitement to set some time this week and put more of my bills on auto pay because the ones that are on auto pay, I do feel good when I, I'm like, damn, I totally forgot about that. Like, I mean, I know about it, but it's like, oh, that was due that day. I mean, the money's there to cover it. So just think if all of my bills, especially the ones I know I'm gonna have to pay it every month anyway, mm -hmm. you know, just thinking I don't have to actually go in and um, make that payment. Now, I remember like years ago, I don't remember who posted this, but it was just some guy on social media that said, he doesn't care how much money he makes. He'll never uh, pay bills early or put things on auto pay, no matter how much money he makes. He was like, no, they're not getting my money early or getting my set, getting up access to my account. Like, well, it's like, but I think I had that mindset when I was struggling living paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. But it's like, once you are changing your life and you know you want a different type of financial lifestyle, it's not an issue to have something on auto pay because I'm gonna have to pay it anyway the money's is there, you know, and then if I have to do it manually, like you mentioned, like, that's what I would do. I'm set aside time to actually go online, get my little debit card out. If my payment information is not already saved in there, don't have to put in my numbers. That's like, that's, that is extra work. It may seem simple and small, but that could save time where I could be doing something else. So that's on my to-do list for this week. <laughs> but what I do have one other pro tip because yes. this saved me. Um, 
So when I was on a, a debt-free journey some years back before my health incident, mm-hmm. I was so rigid. Um, I tell this story often. It's to the point where I budgeted to the penny every day, not every week, not mm-hmm. every pay, every day. If I went and <laughs> maybe my grocery allowance, allowance, not budget, my grocery allowance was $60 and I spent $59.67. I was capturing that difference on pen and paper via app, as well as a spreadsheet. Like everything had to balance wow. out. I was super neurotic. And what I found was that it was nothing but deprivation because as soon as I was out of that, the only thing that I wanted to do was spend money. All the things that I said I was, I said no mm. to travel hair, nails, shopping. That's all I wanted to do. And without understanding what my relationship with money is, I could have ended up right back into that. Um, The pro tip Mm, here is if you are that person on payday, if you have Mm. the liberty of paying your bills on payday at work and that takes you away from being able to look online and shop online and see what's on sale, then I I might, you know, have a little leeway on not being automated. Yeah. Yeah. That's another good pro tip there too, because I think we just, sometimes we don't really think that something will really help us until we actually try it because I remember my times where I would get paid and I'm not thinking about any bills until I'm getting the little email notifications or I'm getting the letter (laughs) in the mail that I'm about to be disconnected and my water is about to be cut off oh like even just thinking about those moments I'm like oh that was so trifling Cleo (laughs) but it's like when you know you're trying to get to higher levels in life personally and professionally your mindset does change but with just like with your work, being a financial therapist, like what you do helps us really deep, dig deep and really stop being in denial about things, really be more aware of how we handle our money because we can think something is really not a big deal. And it's really a big deal. Like if your mindset and the way you, every time you receive money, if you always live in paycheck to paycheck, always don't never have enough money before the next paycheck gets there and you always paying bills late, it doesn't mean that, but I think sometimes like for me years ago, I used to just, even though I was tired of living paycheck to paycheck, I still didn't do nothing about it. Like I, I was stuck in that, that middle ground. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't go forward, but I was just still stuck there. But I, I didn't, I wasn't sick. what they say? Be sick and tired. I wasn't sick and tired enough to make the change. But I think that's when it helps for you to talk with people that you may not never have talked to before, like a financial therapist. So for you guys out there who've never talked, you don't have to be in a financial mess to really talk to a financial therapist. It's not just for people who feel like they're living paycheck to paycheck. There are people who are not living paycheck to paycheck and they still need to talk with the financial therapist to help in some other ways. So I think it's important to think about those pro tips you just shared. Definitely you guys try them out. I know I am, especially when it comes to automating other um, expenses, because I love the fact that the ones that are on autopilot, I don't have to think about it. So I know I'll feel even more excited when I don't have to think about the other 
bills that I know I have every single month. Mm -hmm. So thanks for those pro tips. <laughs> All right. So I want to know your thoughts on money in the black community. So I know there's different types of black communities out there, but of course, when we're talking about money in like the lower income communities or black communities where we feel like there's not enough financial education or people pouring into those communities to educate us. So I just want to know from you, what do you feel like uh, we can do to help ourselves and to help each other elevate financially? Um, first things first is have more money conversations, um, whether that be amongst your peers, amongst your coworkers, amongst your family, for sure, um, for the parents, definitely with their children. As you commit and dedicate your time to increasing your financial intelligence or your financial literacy, depending upon where you are in your journey, share that information with your children. Mm. Do not, you know, be to the point of, we don't talk about money. I'm grateful that I didn't grow up like that because I can only imagine what I wouldn't be exposed to, positive or negative. So there was a time or two in my childhood when the car was repossessed. So mm -hmm. I had that level of exposure and I just thought it was funny. I was like, oh, they came <laughs> and got the car in the middle of the night, huh? Oh, you <laughs> thought you was going to work when you got up. No, no, no. <laughs> you went to see the repo man and get your helmet. Right. So those type of things. But if you're not having those conversations, you're like, I don't know what's happening. You, can you imagine a parent that has shame or embarrassment that that happened it's like oh my gosh what happened to the car i don't know somebody stole it somebody like we got to call up you are hindering mm. the generation that you are raising no yes. don't do that be transparent positive yes. so definitely mm -hmm. the education is big for me yeah i love the transparency thing because i've experienced a car getting repossessed and I was transparent, but not, but not at first. I didn't like make up a story, but I just didn't know how to get the words out. I was like, well, how do I even explain this? Cause I'm like, I felt like a failure as a woman and as a mother, because just like you laughed and explained <laughs> about the repo man coming. Yeah. You know, sometimes they come in the middle of the night, you wake up and it's gone. Or sometimes they come right when it's getting daylight and you're getting ready for work and you hear them outside, you hear them, the chains and stuff, them putting it on the tow, on the tow truck. So it's like, that was like a flashback for me. And then you got to, you got to get, you got to get witty. See, cause you yep. got to outsmart them. That means you got to find some place else to park your car when you know you want to go behind. So come on. This is true. Cause, cause when they come, we know they coming. We know it's any day they about to pull up and take that car. So it's not even a surprise. We ain't got the calls and the letters and the emails. So at that point we knew that was like the last straw. So yeah, that's right. So y'all, y'all heard it. If you, if, if you trying to avoid it, don't have it at your address. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like a confirmation that you're yeah, being transparent because I think kids and even other adults that can learn from us, they know that, you know, they can learn from our mistakes or they can, or they know it's just not them experiencing some money struggles. But like you said, it starts with educating and being transparent about things we experience, 
Now I, I'm definitely transparent because I want my daughter to know and my nieces and nephews that I talk to about money. I just want them to learn from me. And I know I can't be with them every moment, make all their decisions, but I feel better knowing that, hey, at least I talked to them. At least I gave them all the knowledge that I could give them. They are going to make their own decision, but even, and they have to learn from their own mistakes, but I would definitely feel better knowing that at least I've made the time to talk with them. Because I was talking with another friend and he mentioned the same thing that he has uh, five or six nieces and nephews. And he's like, you know what? I know I need to spend more time at least once a month talking to them about money. And I think that's where it starts. You know, this could be, calling them or FaceTiming them, having some money conversations, or if it's in person, just taking time to talk about it. And that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast is to have more money conversations. You know, the good, the conversations that are fun and then some of the uncomfortable conversations, because I know it's not always easy to like share negative experiences. And I'm not saying that everyone has to tell every single thing they've ever experienced that was negative, but I feel like it is um, helpful to share some things because I know some things can be private, but share something that you feel that could help someone else, mm -hmm. you know, learn from it. Because I have a whole lot of stories that I could share for a long time. And I feel, and I think I used to underestimate, underestimate my own journey thinking, oh, no one has ever experienced that Cleo. Nobody's going to understand or relate. Then you learn that, hey, there's other people out there that had a car repossessed. It's not just you, Cleo. Other people have had a car repossessed. <laughs> and no, it's not a great feeling. But you can teach someone. Just like you said, your um, father is the one that told you about, okay, the total cost of a car. You know, not just, you know, a down payment or a monthly car note, but the total cost, including, and I'm sure he probably went like into like gas or insurance, gas. things like that. Mm -hmm. Unexpected yeah so it's good to have those conversations so you know younger people know and even people that are you know our age that understand it hey when you're trying to get a car just for example hey it's not just the monthly car payment think about all these other things and if we all have more conversations i feel like we all can elevate uh financially and i had a quick thought that popped up in my mind when i said black communities lower income um, like a few years ago when I used to live in Colorado, um, I was doing these uh, insurance contracts and there was a, a house in this really nice neighborhood. You know, sometimes you go in certain neighborhoods and you just assume everybody's living this perfect life yep. because the homes are million dollar homes and the neighborhood looks nice. But this, this, uh, owner, he was renting out this house that, you know, I was, me and some other group of people were renting it out since we had this work contract there. But the house was foreclosed on. Like he had been collecting this rent, not paying the mortgage company. And next thing you know, there's this notice. We heard the, something on the door and we look, we opened the door and it was, you know, the people served this little paper. They tacked this uh, paper on the door that was basically saying, like, like at this point, like it was no negotiation, no talking, get out. <laughs> That's basically what the, the, doc, the documents and it was a legal court document that had the date on there. We had to be out. And that just goes to show that it's not just the lower income. People just assume lower incomes are the only, are people, like all of them are struggling and that's not true either. But you have these other neighborhoods where people are perceived to be doing well, whether it's a black um, wealthy neighborhood or white wealthy neighborhood or other type of, you know, nationalities or 
backgrounds, just because someone looks like it's perfect on the outside, you just never know what people are dealing with on the inside that you don't see. So it's not just lower income people or unemployed people or black people that need to have more money conversations. Everybody needs to have more money conversations and it doesn't matter how much money you make because you can make six figures and still be living paycheck to paycheck too. So that's when financial therapy could help (laughs) no matter who you are or where you come from. That part for sure. (laughs) Yes. So I love that you gave that advice. More money conversations and be transparent. All right. So now we're going to have here, um, I want to share a financial affirmation. So I'm just going to pick a random one, a random financial affirmation. And I just want you to tell me how it makes you feel or how it relates to your own personal or professional journey. All right. So I already shuffled them. All right. So your one is, your financial affirmation is, I invest time and money into the lifestyle I desire. How does that make you feel? And how does it relate to your own journey? Oh, it's 100% accurate (laughs) about investing. Um, It makes me feel good. It's something Mm -hmm. that I really want to infer, affirm, read it one more time so I can commit it to memory. Yes. I invest time and money into the lifestyle I desire. Yep. Yep. It's there. Remember I said, I can already see I'm a millionaire, but my thing is the more money you have, the more people you can help. I'm a philanthropist at heart. I don't necessarily have the bank account of a true philanthropist (laughs) yet. So I'm a humanitarian. Um, But yes, so mm -hmm, it's definitely a feel good feeling. Yes. And, and I'm a, I love giving too. I like helping other people out, paying it forward. It just makes me happy and feel good. So I know that is definitely one of my long-term and short-term money goals is to always continue to put myself in position where I can help someone else. Because just throughout my life, there's been people that have helped me, whether mm-hmm. if it was a program I was in, in, in a nonprofit organization, or whether if it was someone that helped pay my light bill when I was struggling and couldn't pay it. Like I like to pour into programs that I, that for one, I knew I was a part of when I was younger and needed help financially, but just going out there in these communities, there's so many great programs and so much great things going on out there that it just really makes a difference because, you know, a lot of times programs need money to operate and what better way to be in a financial position where you know you can give back and make a difference with your time or money. So I love that. <laughs> so cool. So now I just have a few questions uh, just to get to know you a little bit better. And I'm just going to ask you and you can just let me know. Nothing, nothing hard <laughs> Okay. at all. So the first one is what is your favorite food? I'm a pescatarian, so seafood. And then if I want to drill that down to be more specific, it would be lobster and scallops. Mm, lobster and scallops. Okay. What is your favorite movie? I have two. Coming to America, which I'm really excited and nervous for part two. I'm excited and nervous. I got to say that again. Um, my second favorite movie is Bad Boys 2. 
Mm, yes. Those are two great movies, of course. But I'm glad you said excited and nervous because I had the same two emotions. When I first heard about it, I was like, part two, because you always hear of these classic movies and they do, you know, a sequel or a reboot or whatever. And it's like, not that great. So I saw the preview and it looked like it might be good. So I guess we'll see, huh? <laughs> we shall see, but I've seen many a good trailers and the actual product is trash. So I <laughs> fingers crossed. Right. That this one proves us. Baby Jesus. Right. Deliver a good product. <laughs> right. Especially since you got a lot of the originals uh, in there. So we're hoping it's good. Great. Yeah. All right. So what is your favorite place? So all the places that you have traveled to, which one is your favorite? And what's a place that you haven't traveled to before that is on your list that you want to go to? Mm, so hands down, my favorite place thus far is Istanbul. Mm. Um, and I can't necessarily say why, because while I was there, it was a major demonstration, um, some mm. cool-like behavior, similar to what we experienced here in D.C. yesterday. Um, yeah. But the cultural richness of it, but it was also my first time traveling internationally solo. So I wow. think that probably added to the allure. But all in all, it was it was a great time. It was a really good experience. Wow. So do you think, oh, go ahead. No, go, go for it. Do you think you'll do more solo trips or do you think it's not your thing, the solo trip? I'm definitely a solo trip person. <laughs> uh, so the travel that I mentioned earlier when I left work, so yeah. I went to Africa. I definitely did a, a significant portion solo. Mm -hmm. So okay. That was the intent. I flew from the States by myself and I didn't fly with any friends or anything else. I knew people there, which yeah. made it good, but you know, it was still my own space, my own time, my own free will. Uh-huh. I moved that from that place. Yeah. I like solo trips myself. Um, uh, one of my close friends, she said she's terrified to take solo trips because she said she said, I have to be at least with one person but I guess since you know it's just something that I like I'm not afraid to roll by myself so you know I know some people are like oh I just always have to be around people or have someone with me but I think people should at least try it at least one time even if that's not your thing just try it one time just right. to see how you like it right. but I think trips with people and me time trips solo ones is cool too um that way you can have travel therapy with some people you like and love and travel therapy with yourself <laughs> you can learn more about yourself that way so I love to hear it all right. So what's one thing that you like to do that doesn't involve earning money, a good, a hobby or an activity that, you know, you really, you could do any day of the week. <laughs> I am cracking up because my answer is sleep, <laughs> but technically it's not an answer because it does involve money because, you know, you make money in your sleep. But this is true. That's my answer. Technically, 
You know what? Yes, technically you do make money in your sleep. You know what? I didn't expect that answer, but I like to sleep. I think we underestimate sleep. I mean, clearly you're not a team, no sleep person. No, but it's like, I don't know if it's, have you always been that way or you think later on? Okay. Well, yeah, I guess it's true. Like when we're younger, we just doing all the things and no sleep, but when you're at a certain age, you start to realize sleep is like a requirement, not just sleep, but a certain amount of sleep. Like you start looking at the clock at a certain hour and you're like, I have a bedtime alarm. You do? I don't always (laughs) adhere to it, but I do have it set. And sometimes I'm like, turn this off, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's a good reminder to, cause there's times where I'm working on stuff and I'll get that reminder like five minutes before Cleo, it's your bedtime. Tonight, tonight is not the time for an all-nighter. Go yeah. to sleep, close the laptop. So those those alerts are helpful. So I love that, sleep. So you guys, did y'all hear that? <laughs> we got to value sleep no matter what age because yep. it fuels us. And I feel like we can be more productive too. Um, times when I'm, I actually get sleep, I feel like I work better when I compare it to if I worked all night and woke up early and did get any sleep when I compared I'm like you know what sleep is actually better for me so I think I'm gonna go to sleep (laughs) and get enough that I need so cool all right so I want to know what is one thing that makes you happy if I say sleep again I'd be wrong um (laughs) she's like I love sleep 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 all the answers do I really do um but I would say traveling traveling gives me a lot of joy um Mm -hmm. the therapy for sure travel therapy Um, if I had to add something else Mm -hmm. that sparks a lot of joy is eating really good food oh key key words really good not just any food really good food (laughs) Oh, like the food where you're like, mm, that's good. That's uh-huh. good. Savoring every bite. Yep. Not just some random, any old plate or any old restaurant or any old meal. It got to be some real good food. <laughs> so, yes, I love it. All right. So last question. If you had $500,000 right now, what is the first three things that you would do? There's only one thing that I'm going to do if I inherit $500,000 right now. And that is, okay, two things. First <laughs> thing is do nothing. And then the second thing is create a plan for the do nothingness. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not like, oh, I'm going to go buy a Rolex. No. <laughs> She's like, no, I'm not doing that. I said that I would be the person for a while. I said I would be the person that hit the lotto, remain anonymous and still work. My life has definitely changed. My mindset has changed dramatically from thinking that way. But <laughs> yeah, you know what? I like that you said do nothing. I, I think that would be an answer. Almost probably no one would say. No. But there's a lot of power in doing 
nothing. Instead of being in a rush to go do all the things, I think if you do nothing, it's probably going to help you make the better decisions when you're ready to make them. But I like to do nothing and still work. Like you said, if you were to hit the lottery, you would be, ooh, the anonymous is key because, yeah. Don't want the attention. Don't nobody. <laughs> they ain't trying to ain't trying to go on the news and have a, a discussion about it. None of that. So I love that do nothing because sometimes you need that mental space. You need that time to just go about your normal routine versus rushing to decisions. And then you realize, darn, where did five hundred thousand dollars go? <laughs> it's gone. So Look, I the love truth, that. The truth teller of an athlete that is like mm. their truth mm-hmm. you sign a check you get drafted here's this you know your bonus depending upon you know what draft class you're in first round second round etc yeah. it's gone it's mm. gone why that quick how? yeah and i think sometimes you probably well not you but Pro athletes, they probably, and I'm, you with your experience, they may think, well, I have time to work it all out. Or I have time to get it together or, or create the plan. I have time. Then you realize time has flown by. Mm-hmm. And now it's like you got this big mess that you probably have to try to work out. So, yes, that's their reality, most definitely. All right. So I have, this is the last question. I did say that the other one was the last one. I promise this is the last one. <laughs> okay. So that was the end of the questions to get to know you more. So thanks for sharing those with us. Those are some really good ones. But next here is, I want to know, so sometimes we are asked, you know, we are asked, you know, what will we give, what advice will we give to our younger selves? But I want to know what advice would you give to yourself right here in this moment, what financial advice or life advice would you give to yourself right now? Um, so I have a good, bad habit. It's probably why I said do nothing. I have a good, bad habit of forgetting about money and not like the active money that's, you know, in your bank account, the, your normal cash flow, but let's just say an old 401k plan or I got a large deposit, but, you know, I I used to be really anal about constantly checking my bank account and all those type of things. And it was draining. So Mm -hmm. I would say I would make the shift mentally that I made, but still have some checkpoints, more checkpoints, rather. So that ended with me finally investing into a financial advisor who I absolutely love. Um, we have real raw, rugged conversations, <laughs> gets me together. And as I mentioned, like I said on the live, I, I'm in a better place financially than what I thought I was. And that makes a tremendous shift. But then it's like, dang, I didn't know that it was that amount of money sitting over there. Yeah. Like you got all these accounts, you got money in it. Wait, oh, I forgot about that one. So yeah, where did you get between doing nothing and not forgetting everything 
But I really like the fact that you said that you got a financial advisor because I think sometimes people look at certain professionals and assume that we as professionals don't need to hire other professionals to handle certain things for us. So mm-hmm. with you reaching, you know, different new levels in your finances, you know, that is going to require you to have some other professionals. Cause I feel like every level we get to more opportunities, more money, more experiences, like we're going to have new sets of challenges or new things we need to learn to deal with the responsibilities that come from these new, cause like we all want to get to these higher levels, but mm-hmm. there's more responsibility that comes with it. There's going to be more money and all these things. So you need those professionals. And I'm glad you found one that, you know, you really like, this is the one, this is the one you really like. Cause sometimes it can be hard to find the one that you feel is going to work for you. But yeah. I'm so happy to hear that your experience so far has been great because that's, you know, what it's about. It's like, we can't do it all by ourselves. <laughs> that would just drive us crazy if we try to handle every aspect of our lives on our own. So I'm glad that you found one that you liked and you were sharing your experience on Instagram live. And that's going to help other people know, Hey, maybe I need to look into seeing if a financial advisor would be a best fit for me with where I am in my life right now. So I'm glad that you shared it. Love the live. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of the lives (laughs) and more laughs. You're welcome. Well, so I want to, I want you to let the people know out there how we can connect with you and also how we can support you and your business. So the best way to connect with me is absolutely on Instagram. I don't know what Facebook is. Um, Twitter. I just recently found out how to check the DMs on Twitter. Okay. So (laughs) it doesn't matter. I wasn't using it, but yes, Instagram is the best way to reach me. My DMs are always open. Um, The support factor is show up on my page to my community, um, you know, give me support, ask me questions. As you can see, I'm really transparent and open and any referrals, I'm growing my sports practice. So any referrals, recommendations, connections, you know, share the podcast episodes. So those are the biggest ways to support me. Yes. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here and guys definitely check her out on Twitter, Instagram at it's Taryn's world. And of course on LinkedIn at Taryn Bushrod. If you have any questions, want to connect with her, want to hire her, definitely reach out. It's the great time to do so. I mean, any time of the year is great, but no better time than right now. So I definitely want to encourage you to Take all of her pro tips that she shared, not just take them in and listen or write them down, but actually take action in your own life. It's all about the execution, right? When it comes to our finances. So definitely keep that in mind. And as you navigate through your financial journey, don't wonder what if, take a risk and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Financially free with Cleo.